we don't do a really good job in the world of prevention. So what can we do to prevent certain chronic diseases? What lifestyle modifications can we take to improve our health and well-being? Welcome to Mindful Business Founder, the podcast for fashion business founders seeking to build a meaningful and profitable business. I'm Liki Tang. And I'm here with you today to find out how mindful founders build strong businesses that deliver value to people and to the planet. For today's episode, on Thanksgiving Day, I cannot be more grateful for this conversation with Nadine Kelly, also known as Yogi MD. Nadine is a retired medical doctor turned yoga teacher for the wise women. Nadine is just a gift. She is full of wisdom and benevolence. With her business, she transforms the life of so many women in her community and touches the lives of so many others with her podcasts. In this first part of our conversation, she will tell us why she chose to transition from being a medical practitioner in a hospital to become a freelance yoga instructor and health coach for a very specific group of women she calls the wise women. Join us for this heartful conversation with Nadine Kelly. Nadine, welcome to this show. I'm very thrilled to have you today. Thank you for having me, Liki. I am thrilled to be here and so honored that you asked me to be a guest. The reason I've invited you to the show today is because you have this business called Yogi MD. And so you own a yoga studio, if I'm not wrong. And so maybe you can tell us what you do. I actually don't own a studio per se, and I can talk about why that is. I'm a freelancer. Okay. So I'm a freelancer. My business is Yogi MD. I founded Yogi MD because I am a yoga teacher, okay. a retired physician, and a health coach who caters to women, mature women. So generally speaking, the women in my classes are over 60. And the reason why I do that is because when I was practicing medicine here in the United States, medicine is really about fixing symptoms. And it, people come to their doctors, obviously, when they're sick. And we don't do a really good job in the world of prevention. So what can we do to prevent certain chronic diseases? What lifestyle modifications can we take to improve our health and well-being? So after I left medicine, I really wanted to focus on that aspect. And I found my niche of women who are mature also because in our society here in the U.S., we focus more on health and fitness targeted towards a younger audience. So things that are more athletic and sometimes not as accessible for an aging body. Because when I was practicing medicine, I was a pathologist. And by nature, to be a pathologist, you're more detail-oriented. And so what I really liked about translating that love of detail and also what I came to later find is that I wasn't totally happy sitting behind a microscope, not interacting with people. I am a people person. I didn't <laughs> think so, but I am. 
So combining those two things and putting it into the world of prevention and into a yoga practice for an aging body so that I could help different people with different needs in class modify yoga poses to improve their function, their mobility, their flexibility, um, based on what she specifically needed was very attractive to me. And I just really like being in front of people and making a real difference and seeing my impact and working with someone to make her feel better. And I can talk about lots of examples of, of what I mean by that a little bit later. But being in this world of teaching yoga to mature, what I call wise women, mm-hmm. really makes me happy and gives me purpose. And, and I feel like I want to get out of bed in the morning and I'm excited to share new things with the women in my classes. That's just beautiful, Nadine. And I was going to ask you, and you started uh, giving us a little bit of explanation, what is, a specific, what is specific about the aging body? Uh, why is it uh, difficult for an aging woman to start or to go back to a yoga class? So when I was training to become a yoga instructor, it was in a studio because that's generally where people take yoga. And what I was noticing was that it not necessarily catered to, but attracted a younger body that was more athletic and thin and could do certain things like handstands and difficult poses and flow through them either slowly or a lot of times quickly movement to movement to movement. And definitely there is a time and a place for that, but something was not quite right to me. And I couldn't put my finger on it because I was early in my training. Halfway through my yoga training, a beautiful older woman walked in, a teacher of yoga for well over 30 years. And she led us through the most gentle, detail-oriented, still difficult though, even though it was slow, it was difficult in other ways. And so a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, this is what I need to do. It's your aha moment. It was my aha moment. It was, this is where I can marry my medical (laughs) knowledge with Mm -hmm. helping the correct population in the way that is, that makes sense for me. Slower. the thing is about being in medicine too, a lot of things were fast and mm-hmm. you know, trying to crank things out efficiently and higher numbers and all that. And I was just really tired of never being able to slow down. Mm-hmm. And so I thought when I took this class in this yoga studio with this woman, this is what I can do. Then when I started to have that path, that sense of purpose, I noticed that that population wasn't coming to yoga studios. And so how would I find them? I had to go to them. I had to go to community centers or to pools, local pools, because I teach yoga in the water too, Mm. or assisted living facilities. And so it was a lot of trial and error. But the fact of the matter is most older bodies don't do well in those yoga studios because. Because, yes. It can seem intimidating because think about it from the vantage point of a woman who may be out of shape, for instance. That's one example. She walks into this dark studio 
and then goes into this small room surrounded by people who can move things and can can move through these poses and can do them quickly can flow and she needs to take a step back she needs some adjustments she's not comfortable with the flow she's not even maybe comfortable with the way her body looks in comparison and what it can or can't do I've read several things and I've heard from my students as well, this sentiment of my brain is one age, it thinks I'm this age, but my body tells a different story. My body's <laughs> older. And yeah. so there's this mismatch. So the older body, for instance, a lot of the people that I see in the area that I live, I'm in the Midwest in uh, the United States, mm -hmm. have chronic diseases. So you, it's not uncommon for hips to have been replaced or knees to have been replaced or arthritis, uh, mm. osteoarthritis to be common, high blood pressure to be common, uh, diabetes, um, post-surgery for whatever injury repair, or cancer survivors. I teach cancer survivors as well. And they need to have a practice that's gentle yet different and intense in a different way. And so those bodies that cannot easily get up and down off of the floor maybe need a way to find a practice that suits them. And so what I like to do is build in modifications to my class. I'd like to take a lot of pauses and explain modifications. That's where my MD comes in. So I'll explain why we're doing something, why it's beneficial, I like to bring evidence-based material to classes. If I read something about, for instance, resistance training being mm. impactful in helping manage diabetes or even prevent it, then I'll bring that to class. And then we will use that evidence-based study. I will use it to formulate a practice or, or practice around that idea so that I'm also empowering my ladies to... Mm do this work on their, in their daily lives and also to apply what she's learning. I don't believe esoteric material helps anything yes. or just going through the motions in a class led by me only makes mm. any sense. So I encourage baby steps and practice outside of class and applying what we're learning to our daily lives so that we can feel better for instance, sitting up taller in your car when you're driving so that you can breathe and so you won't be more fatigued and stressed when you're in traffic. Or this is one that I like to tease a lot and they tease me back. I, I joke around and I say, I hope I don't see you in the grocery store slumped over your cart. You should be standing nice and tall to push your grocery cart. And so... And so they'll, they'll tease me and they'll say, I was in the grocery store today, Nadine, and I saw these people slumped over their carts and I wasn't <laughs> doing that <laughs> because I could hear your voice in the back of my head. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so the thing is, I'm really invested in making this meaningful in their everyday lives, this practice of, of yoga. So, so what you're offering is more like a holistic approach to yoga. I mean, holistic approach to health in general. Uh, when what you're teaching is yoga, and you're helping these women be uh, interested and implement the modifications in their daily lives, and um, and so that's why you have your podcast 
isn't it? Exactly. That was a kind of a branching point because I didn't think I would be getting into podcasting at all. You and I were chatting a little bit ago and it was a surprise <laughs> to me as well <laughs> that I would be hosting a podcast. But that came about because I felt like it was just another way to amplify my message of increasing awareness in the life of a wise woman about what her health really means. We're bombarded by, again, the image of fixing symptom sickness, yes. waiting until something happens. We're also bombarded by just having if a fight with our bodies as women. Mm, what yeah. new diet should we jump on? What exercise fad should we join? And while taking care of your body is extremely important and what you put into it, the message of my podcast is that health is multidimensional. Mm, I like that, yeah. Yeah. So it's your, again, your body, your mind. It's your, also, it is also your social. Who surrounds you? Who are the people you are spending your time with? Are they on your team? Are they making you better? Are they enhancing your life? Uh, also taking a look at intellectual health. That's another dimension that we don't really think about. But the old adage is you can't teach an old dog new tricks, new tricks but that's nonsense. We absolutely can always keep learning and should yeah. keep learning. Yes. It is not yeah. uncommon to see, to see people maybe write the book that they've always wanted to write. And now they actually have time for it because of retirement or whatever the circumstances have changed or looking for a new opportunity to use that intellectual uh, health or boost that intellectual health. Um, so learning new things is very, very important. Knowing that you're not right um, all of the time. And the other dimension of health is... Okay, so it's physical, yes. mental, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. Mm. And spiritual well-being is very personal. All of it really is. That all of those dimensions are very personal, um, but spiritual because it can be. Um, how should I say that? It can be um, because it sometimes can be related to a certain faith. And so it could be quite difficult to address, I believe. Right, right. And so I never want to take away anyone's right to believe what she believes or doesn't believe. But spiritual means that you just feel like there is something greater than you, a higher purpose, that you're a part of something bigger. So whether that means the language for you is God, whether the language for you is universe, whether it's nature, whatever that is, as long as you have a, an appreciation of a deeper level of meaning and a sense of purpose. So that's why I do my podcast, to shed light and open ideas and open minds about taking, as you mentioned, holistic. Mm. health being holistic, taking care of yourself holistically. I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. If you are, they, all of those dimensions are connected. So, and I've seen this personally with people coming to class, especially in my health coaching, 
once upon a time, I had a woman come to class who wanted to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And in talking through her life circumstances in class one morning, she mentioned that she had retired a couple of years ago and that her job was a real anchor in her identity and also her feeling of having a sense of purpose and having something that she could be proud of Mm. and having a routine. Mm. So once she retired, she was lost. Yeah. And so what she started doing slowly was staying home and then staying home started to become weight gain and a lot of TV and the, her sleep cycle was thrown off and then she started to become depressed. So you see how these different domains start to become, to become affected. Her social status, her sense of purpose that dimension was affected because she had retired and then it started leaking into the other dimensions. So affecting her physical well-being, her mental well-being um, and her intellectual well-being too, because she wasn't being stimulated and learning anything. Mm. So we are, it's always important to remember and that we are more than our bodies. We're more than our dress size. (laughs) We're more than a diet. Mm-hmm. We're so much more. We have a short time on this earth. And so pay attention to all of those things that enrich your life, all of those aspects of your health, because they are going to be off balance sometimes. And so then you, if you're aware of it, you can address what's going on so that other things don't become affected adversely, if that makes sense. That, that's absolutely beautiful, uh, Nidin. And so how, you know, how do you... I shouldn't say markets are because it's not totally, I mean, it's not like that. It's just, how do you, how do you make people in your community that you are, you are here, you are around and, um, and uh, you can help this woman in so many ways. How, yeah. How do you do that? Well, that has been a challenge. (laughs) So far, it's really been primarily by word of mouth because I'm a community person and I believe in helping, Mm -hmm. uh, being uh, making an impact in my community. Actually, sorry, uh, sorry to stop you, but I think that I didn't even ask you where you where you are, where you work, in which country, in which town you are. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I am. In the United States, okay, in, located in the Midwest, and I live in two places right now. We are in my husband and I live in the South Loop of Chicago, mm-hmm. and we also live in Sawyer, Michigan. That's where I am right now, having this interview with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different environments, but uh, it's a pre-retirement idea. We will eventually stay full time in Michigan, but that's a long way off right now. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where I'm practicing. Um, and so primarily it's word of mouth. That's how I have found my clients mm-hmm. because remember, this is not what I've been doing. My way of teaching is, and I'll own this, it's different. It's not what you think of as a traditional yoga class by yes. any means, mm. but it's because I teach yoga in the chair, 
I also teach yoga in the water and I do teach some yoga on the floor. If, so if she can get up and down off of the floor, then yes, we do that. And when I tell people, it's hard for people to imagine, but when I say chair yoga, no, we are not just sitting statically in the chair, having a really slow, boring class. I believe in getting better that we have to do work, period. But work in a sense that makes sense for you, hence the modifications. So yes, we may be sitting in the chair, but the chair is a tool. It's part of the class, so it, it's an aid, but we don't totally rely upon it. We do strength work, getting up and down out of the chair. We use light hand weights, and that's, again, from my doctoring knowledge and my health coach evidence-based knowledge of, for instance, this, you asked earlier, what is one of the things that an aging body needs? Strength. We need to maintain strength. So for muscles, especially women, for muscles and bones. So mm -hmm. I do focus on building muscle and bone strength and endurance in classes by body weight resistance exercises thrown in mm -hmm. into the yoga practice, as well as picking up our light hand weights. My ladies come to class with a kit. They come with their props. And that, that kit consists of, like I said, one to three pound light hand weights, Mm -hmm. water, because hydration is important yes. to take breaks in class, yoga blocks, and yoga straps. And I ask them to come dress comfortably. So that's how I create my unique way to teach yoga mm -hmm. in a chair. Um, again, they're also welcome to bring mats if they'd like to get up and down off the floor and incorporate that into class. And some of them do. They'll bring their mats. And so, so while some ladies are doing an exercise in the chair, I'll have the ladies on the floor doing that same exercise, but modified. Um, again, the yoga, yoga in the water was taught, was an idea or something that I pursued because I wanted to find another medium for right. bodies that needed additional support. And the water is an excellent medium for that, especially for someone who's had hip or knee replacements or their rehab. Yeah, they're rehabbing from that or they're getting prepared for surgery. They can get strength by doing that practice, go have their surgery and come back. I've had people tell me that. Like mm. I, I was able to come back because I'd been doing this work prior to my surgery. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who's unfortunately no longer with us now, but uh, she was um, going through, when she was going through her chemotherapy, she was, um, she was doing two things, going to her yoga classes and mm. going to a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. That was probably two of the most joyful things uh, in her life at that time. So mm -hmm. she would have been so blessed if she could benefit from your yoga classes. Mm. I'm, I'm sorry about your loss, but yeah, thank you for saying that. It's exactly the people, the type of people that I find such joy in helping is having a place where she can come and feel safe. Mm. She can come and feel like a part of a community that gets mm -hmm. it mm. and ask questions mm. and find that practice that, that she needs. So, yeah. 
What a woman! The business she has created delivers so much value to the wise woman. In the next episode, we'll explore more the business aspects of her journey. Did you like this episode? If you enjoyed listening to Mindful Business Founder, it will mean a lot to me if you can share this with your friends who are also in the sustainability journey. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Bye bye now.